0: Hey everyone, today's episode is all about financial independence and the FIRE movement. Now, if you're someone who wants to reach financial independence earlier on in life, then this is the episode for you. I'll talk about different forms of financial independence and what the FIRE movement is. I'll also discuss what I like and what I don't like about it, and how I'm using a hybrid model approach to spend, save, and enjoy my wealth. All this and much more in today's episode welcome to the investor fellow podcast the podcast where we discuss all things money and life i'm your host jorge navarro and just so you know i'm not a financial advisor nor is this financial advice this podcast is all about information education and my own experiences so please like and subscribe to this podcast If you're listening to this podcast, chances are you want to achieve financial independence or financial freedom at a younger age, and I think that's great. For me personally, I've always wanted to achieve financial independence or financial freedom. The terms are kind of used interchangeable. Same thing with the FIRE movement. It's all kind of the same thing, and we'll talk about it. But for me, I wanted to achieve that because I wanted to have the flexibility of time. And most people will say a kind of the generic answer of I want to do what I want, when I want, how I want, with whomever I want, which is still a very good answer, right? To to be able to do all of that is amazing. But if your goal is to just do that, then you need to think more in detail. So, for example, if I just say I want to do what I want, when I want, with whoever I want and how I want, um, it's not enough, right? So because if we want to achieve financial independence, it's not easy. Trust me, it's a long grinding road. So there has to be an end goal there. So for example, like me, I want more flexibility and time to record this podcast, to grow this podcast. So that's one of the things that I wanted to do once I achieved a level of financial independence. Another thing is I wanted to be able to take care of myself better. For, For example, like, Physically mentally, I wanted to have more time where I can walk in the park or in nature I could spend more time on my on myself And so there's another specific thing Another thing is I wanted to be able to travel more and I wanted to travel like unrestricted whereas Before if I had a traditional job, then I would have to have a a specific uh, Fixed amount of days and so all of these things I can do now with more flexibility because of the time that's been created and so those are examples of what you should have in your mind to look forward to so if you want to say you want to be financially free or financially independent it's not just so you can do whatever you want right because you need to think the next step what's the next step of whatever you want to do and i think a lot of people they say those phrases but they don't actually think of like huh if I actually reach this level of financial independence, what shall I do? What shall I do, sir? And I think if you reach it and you don't know those things, it's kind of hits you like a bus, and you're gonna be like, "Wow, I literally have nothing to do all day," and that could lead to um, like you know depression, anxiety, because now you have you have nothing to do. So it's something to consider. You need to always have purpose, right? So the money is a vessel to buy us time to be able to do the things that we want to do, right? Now, those things that we're going to do have to give us purpose because even if we have the money and we decide to spend it on like, um, for example, items like, um, like you reach this level of financial independence and you decide to buy a brand new car. Well, that's great. It's going to bring you fulfillment for a limited amount of time. And then eventually you will get used to that item, right? That's, That's what happens with uh, all items that you buy. You eventually are excited about them, then that wears off. So if you want to reach a level of financial independence where you can do whatever you want with whomever you want, how you want, you have to still have a purpose because purpose is what gives us drive. And so if we understand that, then once we achieve this level of financial independence, it's the most amazing thing ever. Financial independence... Retire early. That's the fire movement. And uh, I think it's become so common, well, way more common than it was back then. I first discovered it when I was like 22, and I kind of knew it as financial freedom or financial independence. And back then, you know, I was trying to read every book and blog I could about money because I literally had no idea about money, savings, compounding interest, dollar cost averaging, leverage you know, dividend returns, stocks, index funds, real estate, appreciation, all of that, I was clueless. Like, no one ever told me that my money can generate wealth and that wealth can equal time and freedom. So when I started learning about these things, it like, it blew me away, you know, like seriously, I was like, wow, like I, I, I need to be part of this, you know. And I came across a few blogs, one of them really stood out. It was called uh, Mr. Money Mustache, which I still follow to this day. Great blog. I highly recommend it. But the guy basically was, I believe, a software engineer or some sort of engineer. And he saved a high amount of his income, uh, over 50%, invested it. And basically, his assets generated him enough income where if he chose to, he didn't have to work again. And the guy never worked again, you know. And so he, he made his income from that. And I, I thought that was... I thought that was so cool, you know, like, here we are, you know, we're told that we have to go to school and make this money and spend this money, but very few people say, hey, you know what, instead of spending that money, why don't you invest that money? So it was a really, like, light bulb, you know, eye-opening experience for me. Now, the core philosophy of the FIRE movement is to achieve financial independence as early as possible. Right? We want to save, save, invest, save, 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 so we can retire early. And typically, it's in your 30s or 40s, so that you have that freedom to retire from traditional employment and pursue your passions, like what are you passionate about in life or your hobbies or other interests, without being financially constrained. Uh, some people also refer to it as "fu money. So you basically, you get to a point where you have enough money that you can just say F you to your boss, your employers, or any of that stuff. But achieving financial independence means having enough savings and investments to cover your living expenses without the need for traditional income. And this is often expressed as a safe withdrawal rate from your investments. So typically, this is around 4%, and we'll talk about that right now. But once you get to a point where your assets are generating you enough income, whether it be real estate, stocks, index funds, um, basically, you want to not spend it all, right? Because we don't know what the future holds as far as is inflation gonna be high? Are our investments gonna still be doing the way we think we are? And so there's all these little tricks and formulas and this or that, and that's why there is no one size fits all here. There is no, I can't give you the exact number you need or the exact formula, because the world is ever changing, right? everything is so dynamic there's probably a million variables that go into what if this happens what if that happens but there are a few guidelines that kind of help you determine how much you would need if you wanted to pursue this route right and like i said earlier the four percent rule or the four percent safe withdrawal rate is a pretty um, common one in the FIRE movement and anyone who wants to retire early. So the 4% rule goes something like this. If you have all your money invested in assets and you decide you wanna take some out, 4% would be the safe withdrawal rate because over time, statistics and studies have proven that if you only withdraw 4% of your investments, your investments will likely stay intact. Now, this isn't a for sure, And this is never going to be a for sure, right? Because like we said earlier, there's a million variables that happen. But generally, if you withdraw 4% or less, you should be okay. Now, you have to figure out how much you can survive on yearly. So this is where, you know, you have to start using a little bit of math, right? Now, let's just say that you want to survive off of $40,000 a year. That means if you withdrew 4%, you would have to have at least $1 million invested. So by only withdrawing 4% from that $1 million, we could actually die with a lot of money. And that doesn't sit well with me anymore. You know, before I thought that was the promised land. You know, we you die and you still have a lot of money, but like, what's the point? Um, so I want to spend that. But more on that later. Let's continue with the 4% rule again. So if I'm only withdrawing 4%, then we can actually uh, create wealth even when we're trying not to. And I'll t- here's an example. From 1971 to December 2020, the average annual compounding rate of return for the S&P 500 was 10.8%. So if we're withdrawing only 4% of that per year, even with inflation, our money will grow substantially. Let's talk the rule of 25, and it goes a little something like this. You need 25 times your yearly living expenses to reach, a, you know, a level of financial independence. So for me, uh, I would need, since I need 48,000 a year to survive, I would need to plug in 48,000 times 25, which would equal 1.2 million. Now I could definitely survive with less than 1.2 million or more, but it's a general rough number. And one thing that's good about it is it allows me to play with an investment calculator and see how that $1.2 million would look like in 50 years. Now, why 50 years? Well, because I'm giving myself a, a large runway, you know, in case I live a really long life and in case I decide to never ever work again or generate any other income. It kind of allows me to play with some numbers. And it's actually pretty interesting. So if I invested that $1.2 million and it lasted me 50 years and it only made a rate of return of 3.5% and I withdrew per month $4,000 of my $1.2 million, in 50 years, I would actually still have $295,000. So it goes to show you that investing and compounding interests really do work. Now like I said earlier, there's many variables, so this could be completely wrong or it could be completely right. or um, I could actually make way more than 295,000 because I'm only using a very conservative 3.5% rate of return. I'm kind of like spitballing it with inflation and you know, the ups and downs of the market. But like we said way earlier, the S and P five hundred has averaged over ten point or over ten percent rate of return, you know, from nineteen seventy to twenty twenty. So there's a good chance that my safe rate of return of three point five percent could actually be higher. So as you can see, my one point two million uh, gets me to retirement and then some. What I like about the fire movement, one of the things I first noticed was the community. Even though uh, I don't meet up with these people in person. The community online is very strong and very supportive, especially on the forums. You know, if someone has an issue or they're thinking about retiring at a certain age or they're looking at what kind of investment, you know, the FIRE Movement community is very helpful in uh, answering those questions. I myself had some of those questions back in the day. I remember um, I was trying to buy uh, an old Mustang 1965 mustang and I threw it on the forum. I was like, is this a good purchase? And uh, Yeah, a lot of people said like no and actually they were right Because the car was a big old rust bucket and a couple years later I ended up selling it at a a loss of money So the community could be very helpful, right? Especially making dumb decisions kind of like the one I, I did but on top of that I think it's really good because it keeps you accountable and it teaches you how to invest and there's no gimmicks here. Like no one's trying to push anything or sell courses or make profit off of you. And that was one of the things I really liked when I started researching all of this, the FIRE movement, financial independence, was you didn't need to invest in some firm or in some, uh, you know, managed mutual fund or pay some guru to make you money. It was just simply like, hey, here's what you do, man. You, uh, you save your money and um, you invest it in index funds. And you have low expense ratio, so you don't really pay any management fees. And you do that for a long, long time. And you live below your means and you live a moderate, you know, conservative life, like as far as spending goes. And eventually you make money. You know, it's it's kind of like a simple concept. And so you kind of start learning, like, oh, wait a minute, if I continue doing this over time, from the stories that I read about the people who have done it, like I will have done this. I also like the minimalism part of it which i think i've always had in me but the minimalism part is basically like you don't need a lot of stuff to be happy in life and i think a lot of us especially in american society is we need a lot of shit right but honestly you don't really need a lot uh even as far as like extravagant things like studies have shown that once you buy a brand new shiny thing you know you're the uh, dopamine, you know, highs, they they wear off and eventually that new shiny thing just gets kicked, you know, to the last bedroom or the garage and it's just on to the next. So, you know, living more of like a minimalist type of life is um, kind of the one of things that, that goes with it. You know, don't get me wrong, I'm not living like a, like a hermit, you know, a little hermit crab. Like, I still buy stuff. But I do appreciate the the education on that because for a lot of things that you hear online or on social media it's not like that it's always like spend 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 and the fire movement uh, is never was never like that now one of the things that i don't like about the fire movement is that excessive frugality seems to be the stigma with it and because a lot of people in it have like got on other people for spending you know they critique them you know when someone or when a group of people really cling to something, they sometimes they go to the extreme, right? And so I'm all about you know financial independence and financial freedom. but there comes a point in your frugality where it's okay to spend money on stuff, right? And one of the things I've seen is even in their own community, like people will get bashed for, oh, you've bought a new car. Uh, how, you know, how dare you buy a new car? Your car uh, is fine. It runs great. Why did you do that? And it's like, if the person has the money to do it, then by all means go buy the car. Now, if you just got on credit, that's a different story. But you know, there's a lot of wealthy people that have reached financial independence that can basically go out and buy 20 cars cash. They shouldn't be, you know, chastised for going and buying a Corvette of their dreams or a Porsche or whatever it is, you know? And so that's one of the things I don't like. It's like all of a sudden, you're all in on this movement and you can never deviate or you can never do um, what is not expected of you. And I think that's complete BS because nothing is certain. There is no one way or one standard way. So that is one of the things I do not like about the FIRE movement. I believe there's a time and place in our lives to spend money, especially spending a large amounts of it. Because I don't want to die with a lot of money. And that's where my perception of the FIRE movement, of financial independence has changed over the years. Is before, I was like, I'm going to work, 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 save, 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 invest, invest. And then I'll die with all this money and, you know, give it to my kids or, you know, um, give it to whatever. But it's like now I think about it completely different. And let's talk about the hybrid model that now I kind of live by. The hybrid model go something like this. I will still continue to save and invest. However, I might not need as much as I think I need when I die, right? Because under the assumption of the fire movement, I basically have a huge sum of money and then I die and I possibly still have a lot more after that. Now, why would I want to leave all that money on the table, right? And so by having more of a hybrid type of thought process, I'm spending more money sooner on experiences because as we get older, things get more difficult, right? If you get older, you might not be able to backpack or hike or go to different countries or do the things that you can do in your 20s, 30s, and 40s. And so if we delay all of that until we finally reach this magic number of 65 or whatever that number is for you for retirement, those experiences are just not gonna hit you like they would a younger version of you. And so you will have to spend more of your wealth to get those experiences. But in life, that is the most important thing you can ever have on this planet, is having those experiences with people and being in good health and sharing all of that at the same time is really what life is about. And so in this hybrid model, that's exactly what i'll do a lot of this hybrid model thinking comes from a great book i read Uh, it's called die with zero by bill perkins i highly recommend you go check it out now in the book he basically talks like that he's like why am i going to leave all this money on the table uh and then die right that means i wasted my life energy that means i waste i wasted more days working when i could have been experiencing more and it really made a lot of sense because Why do we need all this money when we die? And the argument is, well, you should give it to your kids then. uh, Or invest it in charities, um, you know, donate to charities. But in the book, he makes the argument of, you can still do all that. Just do it now because it actually makes more of an impact. And I'll give you an example of this. Let's say you want to give it to your kids, okay? Now, if I decided to give it to my kids the money would probably have a bigger impact on their lives in their 20s or 30s, right? Even though I gave them less. So if I give them less money versus like, let's say I, you know, I die in my 80s and then I leave them $1 million, but now they're, you know, 50 years old. The $1 million at 50 years old isn't going to make as much difference or an impact if I give my kid $100,000 when he's 30. Or 27 or whatever because that they have more runway right they have more youth they could possibly start a business that could create something of um, you know that's bigger where they make millions of dollars or you know now they're self-sufficient so the money earlier on can even though it's a smaller amount can have a greater impact on not only on their life but their experiences of life and actually make their overall life easier Because if I decide to keep it all and then when I die I give it to my kids and they're like 50 or 60 Well now they've already had the hardest parts of their life, you know the grind the struggle So they most likely are in a place where they're making income And so the one million dollars just doesn't hit like it would at a younger age The same thing applies for charities, you know People always say, especially like, um, like richer or older people, you know, when they die, they're going to give all their money to, their cha- to charities. Well, if you give the money to a charity now, there's probably more of a possibility that they could have a greater use of that money, even though it's less right now, right? Because technology is always changing. People are always innovating. So if you have you know, $100,000 you give now versus a million dollars you give 40 years from now, the $100,000 now could possibly create something in charity that could benefit, you know, people from the future. Or if you're giving it to like a college or a scholarship, you can actually affect someone now versus later. So the thought process of, well, giving it to my children or giving it to charities when I die, like why? And it makes complete sense now when I think about it. I would rather give that money to someone deserving now then wait till I'm decrepit, old, or dead to do it. Because if I can do it now, I also get that experience, right? I get that fulfillment of helping someone and making that impact now. So that actually helps me as well because now I feel good about myself because I did something to help someone, you know, today. And so it all kind of makes sense. So the hybrid model of saving and investing, but still Using my wealth to enjoy calculated life experiences is, I think, a very good way to go. You know, like I will have no problem dropping $10,000 to go here or there, you know, but at the same time, I still save, you know, uh, in other ways. I'm still frugal in other ways. Like I don't have, you know, a a really nice car, but I don't mind dropping, you know, $20,000 to go to Europe. So there are ways to enhance a life's experiences in a hybrid manner and that's what i really like about kind of taking the fire movement of everything from saving investing you know minimalism frugality to kind of flipping it on its top and be like okay well let's take some of the some of the best parts of that but now let's enjoy life let's enjoy experiences and let's spend our wealth now let's help people let's enjoy what that money does now and even if we have less later, that's okay. Because if we still are responsible for it, and these are where those um, those rules come in, right? The 4% rule, the 25% rule. These are where those rules come in. If we can still be semi-responsible with these rules and flexible, not only can we make it to retirement, but we can also have those experiences. And so the goal would be is basically when you die, you die with very little money and not huge lump sums like hundreds of thousands of dollars or millions, you know, and that would basically mean that you actually use your wealth in a very fulfilling way. So to wrap this all up, the fire movement definitely has some good things going for it, but there's definitely some things that you may want to avoid. And that's the beautiful thing of all of this of financial knowledge education is you pick and choose what you like. You don't have to be put in this box of, oh, you're fire movement, oh, you're hybrid, oh, you're this or that. Just do whatever you want. And that's kind of why I brought up that example of the little hybrid thing I'm doing. I don't even know if that's a thing, but that's how it makes the most sense to me is I can save and invest, I can still live a fulfilling life, I can still enjoy, I can still benefit, I can still give back to people, and to me, like that is a very fulfilling life. So when it comes to investing, when it comes to money, you pick and choose what works best for you. Don't worry about which box you're in or you know which group or this or that because in the end, nobody pays your bills but you. So you figure it out and that's all that matters. Tune in next week for another great episode and thank you so much for listening.